Hey guys, thanks for checking out the Bucked Up Podcast. If you don't mind hitting the like and subscribe button, we have two new episodes coming out every week. Now let's get into it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm going to hit record on the audio. Thank you so much for coming back and doing this. We uh, we lost the first episode or the audio got fucked up on it, so we're re-recording. Thank you for doing this. Yes, sir. Thank you, Ron. It's just a pleasure to be able to do this again, and uh, I really appreciate you just keeping it professional and giving me a second chance, man. Of course, we were just talking. I, this is the reason I started right there. Is what is your like? Do you get stoned? Are you a smoker? Yeah. yeah. What's yeah. your like high food? Man, it used to be like hot pockets and shit. Hot like pockets. that was always like quick. <laughs> it's got to be something quick, man. I can't cook when I'm high. Like prepare a whole meal. It's got to be like on the on the fly. That's funny. I feel like hot pockets are too slow. Like I don't even want to microwave anything. I need something that I can open and eat right then. That's even fair. to pop That's something fair. in the microwave is too bad for me. See, but I feel like when you binge, you know, just chips or whatever it is, it fills you up for a minute, but then I need something hot. I need something just more to it than just dry. And, and then <laughs> I'm like all the fucking cotton mouth. And I'm like, and then, and then I feel like when you binge those types of snacks, bro, you're like constipated as fuck and you just wake up the next day and you're just, nah, why did <laughs> yeah. I do that? That is <laughs> the worst like cycle of getting like too stoned at night, eating a lot and then waking up feeling like shit, but you know, you're just going to do that again the next time. Fact, dude. Are you a healthier person? No, nah, honestly, no. I need to work on my health. <laughs> yeah. I went to my be, doctor. Be, and he was like, you're fat. He said that to me. He's, he's hilarious. But I was like, damn, if he's saying that, I got to work on myself. Well, you're tall, though, bro. Yeah, but I'm 6'3", 280. Hey, man. <laughs> no one in my family's tall either. Uh, I don't think you're fat, Sam. Oh, well, thank you so much. Maybe when we I mean, meet up in person, you'll think differently. Yeah, I mean, so I've never seen you with your shirt off. So, uh, I mean, <laughs> that might be a little different story, but... <laughs> That's on my Patreon. You have to pay. You have, people have to pay there for that go. content. That's hilarious. So, last time we were talking, you were talking about how you came up with the SoundCloud scene. Like, that's what you were enjoying, and that's what the type of music you were making. Definitely. Would you, uh, it's funny, you said that, and I, afterwards, I started thinking about it. Like, what is the SoundCloud scene? Like, what is that scene? What what makes it different? Like, I, I really was like, huh, I, I know nothing about that. Uh-huh. Um, I mean, and I'm, I'm definitely not the person that is the expert by any means on this, but it really covers a lot of broad areas. Um, it can get boiled down all the way to just a specific umbrella or it can be just the whole entire thing. But I would say what I classify as a SoundCloud scene is either artists in the past, maybe from like 2012 to present that were actively posting music and maybe still have like still make music or they're just, just on SoundCloud or it's like the new generation of cats that are actively posting on pretty much all platforms these days, but just 
actively chasing and, and actively like posting on SoundCloud and building communities within that. What were the artists in the beginning that you were looking up to in that scene? Um, I mean, shit, there was a lot. And, and it's kind of difficult because a lot of artists that were on SoundCloud back then were, aren't or have switched to more professional on Spotify, on Apple Music type of thing. Not all of them, obviously, but I would say like uh, just pretty much my inspirations and, and kind of what influenced me and me and my sound was Chester Watson, Grimdoza, Nasty, Biscuit, Bushido, um, Bryce McGee, Godly. I mean, I could keep throwing names out there, but it's all kind of just build it off. But um, I definitely remember when I found Chester Watson, that's when it really kind of, what's the word? Like, like, pulled me directly into a lot deeper and a lot more niche scene than what I was experiencing. I would say what about it was so, uh, drew you to it so much. It was definitely the beats and just the way that Chester rapped and just how he expressed himself on a track. It was the music video. Phantom was the first shit I saw just like all those, those three things tied together. It just, um, it was also kind of around that time when Tyler, the creator was really big. And so I think it was also kind of inspired by that type of shit or it just really fit into that type of, um, that time when that type of sound was big or it's kind of like the lo-fi, you know, it's definitely that times have changed, but, um, Chester was just one of those people that was kind of doing it first on a lower scale that was, you know, getting traction and, uh, really making a name for himself, I would say. And were you an artist at that point or were you still just a fan? I was still, I was an artist. I had just, I probably at that point, I was still bumming it on the USB mic and probably still had the crack version of FL, maybe was starting to buy my software around when I discovered that scene. Is there like secondhand FL? Like, do you, if you fucking burn it, is it a shittier quality? It, well, it was like the free demo version. I, oh, I guess I never really I thought had if like you the, were like torrenting it. Yeah, I've never, honestly, I've never tr- done that before where you kind of share with a friend or whatever, but I kind of just call it the burner version because it was just the free demo that was easy to download in 10 seconds online. So, Did you ever deal with like Pirate Bay or anything? I used to de- download like hella free video games and movies and all that shit. I didn't get into that shit. I didn't even find about like mp3 to wait or like you know youtube to mp3 or whatever until i was in eighth grade really uh uh-huh. i remember that was some, my introduction that's so funny it's funny how you get introduced to like as you said not the mainstream music like when you find it because pirate bay used to have this crazy shit where you could type in an artist's name and they would literally have all their songs like even ones that people have hacked and taken from computers like all the leaked songs, everything demos from when they were 14 years old. Like, and when you, I was young, I didn't realize that that wasn't supporting the artist. You know, I just was like, Oh, I get to hear this Lil Wayne demo. That's never been <laughs> heard before. And that made me start diving into music. But then I learned, Oh, this is probably hurting the artist more than it's helping or lending to my ears. You know? Mm. You remember Spinrilla? Yes. Yeah, I do. Yeah. 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 They just shut down Dat Piff, I think, yesterday. Yeah. 
which is wild because I was on there trying to search for some old tracks from a, some certain artists, and like two weeks later they shut it down. I'm like, damn, that's kind of crazy. Those were the days, the like Dat Piff live mixtapes. And I, I miss that era. You were SoundCloud. That was like yeah, that yeah. was your SoundCloud. I, I've met the Dat Piff legend Chris Webby though. I so, I, mean, I met Chris that. Webby before too. That's hilarious. He's cool, bro. <laughs> He's mad cool. I did. Uh, I won't say what he did, but I did mushrooms. <laughs> I met him, and we were like it. on the beach. I don't know if you know his producer Knox Knox Beats. He did all of like Joyner Lucas's stuff, all of Chris Webby's stuff, um, all of like Token stuff. But he's out like by me. He's a really good dude. That's sick. Back. Bro, to I was you. gonna ask you too. Oh, what were you saying? I, I, um, I also uh, saw that you interviewed Justin Clancy. Yeah. Which which I met him on that tour as well. Oh really? Justin Clancy's like uh, a good friend of mine. That's crazy. The Massachusetts scene so like small, but also like you never know who knows who. I just remember I, I was asking him some questions and it was just like an immediate great line. And I was just bringing up like, you know, you do all these things in the music and it costs all this money and you, you question yourself and it's just kind of overwhelming. And how do you deal with that? How do you deal with just all the years and being consistent and whatever? And he, just told me some inspirational words, but I just remember him saying, don't quit or you're a pussy. And I mean, even as simple as that was like, he, he like really meant that with sincerity of like, don't quit. Like you're like, you're walking away from what could be, you know? And, and that was just something that I felt like stuck with me and I didn't even meet him. That was like the first time I, I even heard of him. Like, and I was just asking him and then I looked in his music, watched the show and it was like really cool show. He's, he's an amazing dude. And I think that advice, like it's tough when you want to ask someone for advice, that's kind of the only advice you can give someone. And it's so important. Like you feel it too, but like, say you do quit. You're never that artist. You know, if you don't quit, you are always an artist. Now that doesn't mean you're going to be as successful as you want or what, but if you don't quit, you are that thing. And kind of extending on that is, I think as an artist, a lot of people, like maybe a producer or an artist can relate to this, but you just keep consistent at your craft and you don't really, I don't know, for me, I don't think too far ahead. I just think very in the moment and what my next move is and just baby steps. But you get so caught up in creating is fun and you keep doing it and you love to do it every single day, but you kind of don't really realize or kind of lose track in your head of like, time frames of just how far you come and you progress and whatever. And I was just sitting my, in my bed, like listening to some of my, just listening to some of my tracks I've made recently and old tracks and shit, just like some, getting high and just it hit me a wow, man, I came a long way and, and I'm already just satisfied with where I'm at or you just feel like this sense of being present in the moment and really appreciating what you have instead of just always wanting more and being so near, I don't know what it is, the word nearsighted or just always wanting more. That is like a really hard thing to fight in your own brain is because you have to go against 
immeasurable odds against the world and yourself to start creating. When you say, like, I'm going to be an artist, you give up everything other than that. Honestly, that's how it works. And then when it doesn't happen for you right away, you think, but I gave everything up for this. Like, why isn't it working when really it's the journey? Like, the journey is what every single person goes through. Like, you ever seen someone go viral on TikTok for, like, the dumbest shit or on Instagram reels for, like, the dumbest shit? And you're like, how the fuck did they just get 10 million views from this? And then you go look at their page, and they've been doing dumb shit for years. It just happened mm-hmm. to be this look, look like this one thing that they didn't put any effort into is the thing that blew them up. When really, like, no, it just took them that long to get to that point. Like Definitely. you, And that's kind of the thing you just have to deal with is like, all right, maybe it's going to take longer, but am I going to give up or am I going to enjoy the journey? And I think it also boils down to just establishing something that you really can support and that is authentic to you because as time progresses, like you're not, you're going to fall out of place with who you, who you're trying to be because it's a front or whatever. And then, you know, uh, just, it's just important to be genuine and, and that helps you enjoy the journey more because you really support what you're doing and, and it's not just for a certain motive. When did you become the artist? When did you make that decision in yourself? Um, well, I was kind of thinking about this the other day too, but I, it was just over time, you know, I think that, sorry, I kind of lost my train of thought when I was answering that question, but this is what I was going to say is I think everything happens for a reason. And some people, that's what their path was, was to blow up on TikTok and some people, whatever, like everyone has their own path. But for me, it was like the trial and error thing where I just had to keep failing. I mean, I had a whole year's worth of music under a certain alias that I never even dropped. So that allowed me to create, you know, uh, a certain headspace in my, in my mind where I wasn't concerned with everything. I wasn't concerned with, you know, just all these building blocks that I just built as an artist to where I'm at now is, as I had to conquer, you know, fear of what others people think. And then I had to conquer, you know, certain things that just propelled me further and, and helped me shape, like shape me as an artist into what it is now. What do you think your biggest challenge was in yourself? Like, what did you have to overcome? I mean, I, I still, I, I'd say the big leap that I have to overcome right now, or just I'm, I'm struggling with right now is just kind of where social media is going and just how everything is so negative and just so cutthroat and everyone's just king of the hill wants this spot and it's just a competitive thing and it's hard to not get caught up in all that and, um, like I was saying, like be in that space where you're, it's like you're, you're in your own world outside of the the industry. But if you, you just, for me, if I look at the industry of just all these drama and, and this person has beef with this person and, and just like all these politics and shit, then I just get so overwhelmed and, and just like, uh, I want to quit. Like this isn't for me. But then I just realized that I'm doing this for me and like, you got to be in your own world with that type of shit. And that's what I kind of fight with. And I think every artist does, but 
the, I would say the real the funny thing that I actually ended up achieving or overcoming was I remember back in the day it was during that time that I was experimenting with the alias for a whole year and made, had all this music and shit. And most of it was just beats because I, I would, you know, I would bring my computer to these parties that we would have or whatever. And I would just want to fuck around when I was fucked up and shit. And so I would like make all these beats in front of people or, or just like to myself. And then I would like show people or it was just like, I had made all these beats at my house and then I was going to go to a party. I always wanted to show people like my friends at a party or just like, you know, we're hanging out like, Oh, you should listen to this, like listen to this beat, listen to the song. And everybody was always hating. Everybody was, eh, this is shit. All right. And it took me until just trial and error. And I remember just being in, in this mode, this mode of, I'd show people they wouldn't like it. I'd go back, try to make something better. I, I'd come back. They wouldn't like it. And I was just always in this try to like outdo myself. And I just realized that it doesn't matter. And it's, I'm doing this for me and the shit that I make now that I think sounds good. Other people like, but if I was still trapped in that, in that state, I would be at step two right now. Is that what makes you want to be the anonymous, like anonymous rapper? Like in the sense of like I have some type of hidden hatred or whatnot. For no, like just that you that are like that. a hidden rapper. Like you're literally, and I know we talked about that, but like you're literally wearing a mask right now. You know, like you don't want people to know who you are. You want the music to speak for itself. Is that where it kind of stemmed from? I think it's that of just like we talked before of just wanting to, I didn't think people would accept accept me of, of my personal image. I, I feel like I wanted something more than that. And just the whole SoundCloud live through the internet type of thing that we talked about. But I also think that through talking to you about this question before I was just kind of talking and I, and I, you know, when you just talk about something and you really just answer your question and it's the whole yin yang shit. I mean, I just feel like, as Warren K, I'm not so concerned about what people think and I'm not, I don't let people invade my headspace when I'm writing or making music. And I, it's just, it's just like a different thing. But if I was trying to make music as who I am as a person, all those thoughts would come into play. I would be, you know, I would let the, the town uh, opinion, you know, fuck with my head. I mean, I just, I think the mass thing just helps me totally evade all of the, those thoughts and just really create and like tap in. How do you differentiate those two versions of yourself? Like, how do you not let the, your personal life interfere with your work and who your artist self? I mean, I remember like at first it was a struggle of, you want to just tell everybody you want to let everybody know and you do one thing good and you're like, all right, I'm going to tell everyone. But, um, I like, it's really just hidden confidence and just feeling, having something that people don't know or just that hidden confidence of, yeah, you go to work, you get treated like shit. Your boss treats you like shit. You're nobody, but then you go home and you walk in the studio and you're, mm-hmm. But, um, I think it's, it's also a humbling thing and, and it's just realizing that I like to go, I mean, not that I like to get treated like shit, but it's, it's scary. It, it's not good to have yes men around you. It's not good to, 
um, get so caught up in your own ego and be so self-immersed in who you are and people can, I mean, not with everybody, but I mean, I've studied a lot of artists and sometimes people get so big and they create a character and whatever, and then they blow up and they're just so big and they just kind of blow their own reality out of their, like they, they can't accept the reality that they live in anymore because it's just so crazy. You know what I mean? And do you know who the comedian Andrew Dice Clay is? He's like an old timey comedian. He was the one who did like those old nursery rhymes, like hickory dickory duck. She was sucking my cock, shit like that. Like he was just being, <laughs> du- and he would have like slicked back hair and look like a greaser, you know, like the leather jacket and shit. And he was the first comedian to ever sell out Madison Square Garden. So like. He's a big name. And his story is he was like this nerdy Jewish comedian. And he was like getting treated like shit. So he just created this character of Andrew Dice Clay, who was this like greaser tough guy. And then he started selling out and he blew up as Andrew Dice Clay, even though that's not who he really was. And he ended up having to like become that character. Like if you meet him, he is that character he created now. He's not who he was in the beginning. I think his name's like Andrew Lieberman or something. It's like he literally created this like world of like being tough around him that he had to live in. And honestly, like he's still very funny. So that's not what I'm saying this for. But like he's not big anymore. He's the first comedian to ever sell out Madison Square Garden. And he'll do like two per- 200 person rooms now. And it's like he wasn't able to keep up with the reality he created around him, you know? And kind of to add on that, I wanted to say, so I I work at night. I work the night shift and I can have headphones in and shit. So recently I've just been watching hella interviews and I was watching an interview on Jim Carrey and he was kind of talking about a similar topic of not being, not losing yourself. He was, I, I can't name the comedian for for certain, but he they were just talking about drugs and how drugs can, you know, some comedians needed drugs to be able to perform and, and you know, whatnot and um, getting lost in these characters and stuff like that. And how do you feel about that just as a comedian and kind of the role you, you play in that? I think it's really tough for me sometimes because – my on-stage persona is a little wild. Like, I like to talk about the shit that I've gone through, my wilder times. Like, I like to turn who I am up to 10, you know? But I'm not on, at 10 all the time. So, like, it's kind of funny. All right, so, like, when I met my girlfriend, we met at a comedy show. She was running a comedy show. And, like, when I get up on stage, I'm talking about, like, fucking other girls and just being wild, you know? But then she meets me off stage and I'm a very, like, I'm a nice guy. That's not who I am. That was my past. Like I was a crazy person when I was like 17 to 21. Like I went wild, but like now it's kind of like honing that person into who I am on stage. And for me, that's not who I am. But I think like, I think it's tough when like family members, or friends of family, or like her family Google me and they see me talking wild, but like that's not who I am, even though that is who I am, you know? Mm-hmm. And that's yeah. that's where I get caught up is like, damn, 
Like, even on this podcast, I used to talk wild about, like, family shit and just not care. And then, like, I had family members come up and be like, yo, like, I get that you're just trying to be honest, but, like, you're hurting the family. Like, you can't yeah. be saying this stuff. And then, you in your mind, you have to be like, well, am I the artist? Or am I, like, do I just want to be fully the artist? Or do I also still want to be ingrained in normal person life? Which I do. Like, I want a family. I want a relationship. I want friends. Like, I don't have to give up all that to be an artist, but maybe I have to, like, change who I am as an artist to get all of that. I never even thought about it like that as far as the family thing. Like, you're making a joke about a family member or whatever, or you're, you know, it's like... I can't really tell that joke if my family's here, you know? No, I didn't but. even really think about that. And then they came, and I was like, oh, you're right. Like, like, yeah, it's so funny. Like, I, one of my, I interviewed one of my dad's favorite musicians. And on that interview, I kind of talked shit about my dad. And so then my dad watches the interview and calls me and is like, how the fuck could you say that stuff about me? And to me, I was just like talking. Like, when you talk, you don't think about what you're talking about. You just yeah. kind of like go. But to him, he's like, Sam meant to bring this up to hurt my feelings with my favorite musician. And it's like, shit, I Damn. do have to be mindful of that. You know? Yeah. I like that. That's why I get what you're doing. And that's why, like, even on this second interview, I like want to push the question is because like, I do understand that mentality of just having your art be separate. But I don't think people would like, I think music is different. Music has two things. You can either enjoy music or you can learn from music. And a lot of people just enjoy music and they don't think about the deeper meanings of it. But like when Definitely. you start thinking about the deeper meanings, then you have to think, how is this going to affect all the other people in my life? And I think maybe I haven't done such a good job of that. I don't think I've necessarily... I mean, I remember back in the day, bruh, I made a, I made a, uh, oh, oh boy. Do I even want to bring this up? There was this teacher, uh, they used to, oh, nah, I, I'll just keep it brief. I, I had kind of threw a bar in on one of my songs about my teacher at the time. And I was passing my mixtape out at school and that just blew the fuck up of everyone was just like, dude, that was so funny that you added that in there. But Anyway, I mean, I don't feel like I necessarily, I'm not throwing disses out there. I'm not, you know, talking directly. I think you can kind of talk vaguely in music that mm -hmm. you can kind of dodge that. But if you're on stage and you're a comedian, I mean, it's just a lot different type of uh, thing. Who, I also wanted to ask you. Yeah. Uh, so do you think, I mean, I've just heard things, uh, just, you know, comedians talk, old comedians talk about, how the comedy world is a little brutal. It's what is your comment on that, Mr. <laughs> it, it definitely is brutal. That's why I hang out with rappers. Like I yeah. don't have, I have a very small group of comedian friends. Most of my friends are from the podcast and rap world because you got to like, think what type of person wants to be a comedian. And I'll blimp myself into that. It's a person who wants a whole room to just listen to them talk and say horrible <laughs> shit, you know? So when you put yeah. a bunch of those people together, it usually gets pretty toxic, you know? 
Because also there's one person on stage. So they think that there's only so many like slices of the pizza. So then people start getting brutal and think that like, like a lot of people I think get mad at me for having this podcast or being successful at this podcast, thinking I don't deserve it. But it's like, you really want to talk to rappers? Like you don't like music like that. Like I like music like Mm. this and you're still jealous of what I have, even though you don't give a fuck about this, you know? Yeah. Is that not what it's like in music? Like, do you not feel uh, competitive with other people? Man. (sighs) See, it's, it's just a, it's honestly just a kind of, it's upsetting at the end of the day because as a creative, you should want, it's, it's the thing that I was talking about earlier. Everybody has, can reach their full potential in this shit, but not everybody's going to win. And so, but everybody has different paths. Not everyone's meant to win, but you're meant to, you can achieve your full potential. And it's, it's that type of thing, but people get so caught up in that. And I see it as the bigger you get, I mean, this is in any industry, but the bigger you get, that's when the vultures come out. That's when people try to drag you down. That's when people try to, um, you know, slither in or do anything they can to bring you down or, you know, bring out your worst moments. And, um, I just, I just wish it wasn't like that, but I mean, it's, it's a power trip thing. It's, it's, uh, it's bigger than just society. It's bigger than just, um, you know, that era. I think it's a humanity years of data and, you know, the, the rise of power and fame. I mean, it's just these so stereotypical, uh, already plotted out things. I mean, you can read a book about just certain shit like that. Like you ever read like 48 laws of power? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm reading that. I'm reading that shit right now, but, uh, just you see, you see certain things in, in all types of, uh, competitions of power, politics, uh, entertainment. But I mean, at the end of the day, I'm not trying to be a, a wet blanket or a, just a sob story here. It's just, I realized that the, the less you let shit affect you, it doesn't, it almost doesn't exist. You know, you can sit and think about how somebody wronged you for the rest of your life and let that eat away at you. And, oh, you know, the same thing with, like I said, of just, I'm really glad that I established that free mind of all these negative thoughts when I'm in the studio. But as soon as I leave and you know, that's when all that stuff kind of comes out, but the music's already done. So, but, you know, just gotta be positive person. And I guess just try to help everybody win. And it's just a process. What is winning to you? Like, what would you consider yourself winning? If you say like winning is different for everybody. I would say just for instance, you know, maybe let's just say, uh, uh, an example, I have a music friend and he is more talented. He's more hardworking. He's just more gifted than I am, but we both play a role in our careers. But he, I reach this point, we come up together. I reach this point. He reaches that point or she or they or whoever. Um, and you know, some people can get salty at this point because, Oh, we came up together and, and, he's there and I'm here, but you have to realize that 
I don't know. I just, I just think of all the things that I wanted to go right in my career. Oh, I, why didn't that happen to me? Why didn't this happen to me? But there's always something better for you. Like it's just, everybody's destined for a different thing. And I think people get caught up in that jealousy of just competition. And they, when they think of win, they think Drake mode, you know, that's yeah. what they think. Yeah. I'm, I'm not, I mean, I am being rude looking at my phone, but I'm pulling up a lyric, a young thug lyric from a couple of years ago on the song TikTok. And on that, he um, says, and it's a word, it's a worth it line. So I'm sorry. It's taking me a minute. Uh, do you want to know how it is when you, uh, when you a big dog, you might got to take the assist, let your dog to get the big shot. And that's exactly. like, and I think about that a lot with young thug, like where young thug is right now in prison, locked up, not looking good for him, you know, but he did all that. So little baby could shine. Like if Honestly, you, I- Sorry, I'm not too well versed. I'm not too well versed in that whole situation, but I'm. You can. No, I. I just mean like Young Thug (laughs) did. He gave up. Like he kind of did everything. He was gonna be the star, but he knew that he could only hit a certain line, and so he gave everything to Baby. And even if you don't know anything about Lil Baby, he's one of the biggest rappers in the world right now. You know, like Mm -hmm. selling numbers wise, he is. And I do think that taking the assist is important sometimes. Or like Puya and Suicide Boys. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That is a, that, exactly. I think people at the end of the day, you are the only thing like holding yourself back. Just like how at the, what Justin Clancy said, like if you quit, you're a pussy. Like you are the person holding yourself back from whatever. And that's fine. Like that's totally fine. But you also can't get jaded about it or angry about it. If someone else is on their path. Mm. And I mean, I've had some bad situations with people that I just let into my life in person on some music shit and they turned bitter and they were very envious and trying to use me and get information and uh, whatever. But I don't know. I just don't see why people can have that type of hate in their heart and, you know, be throwing shade on your page or just like why people stick around to watch you and hate on you instead of just using that time to go better themselves and get a bag or just improve their situation, they'd rather just try to make their situation worse. And it's it's like those type of people that I just can't stand in this world. But it's just easier for them. Like, of course you can fault them, but like, of course, like I get mad. That happens to me. Helen, that's literally happened to me 15 minutes before we got on. Like if we're on some real shit, literally all day I've been (laughs) dealing with some like, real personal shit where people in my life are trying to tear me down for no other reason that they aren't focusing on what they need to, you know? And that's fine. Like, but I can't even fault them on that because as I said in the beginning, choosing to focus on yourself and choosing to do what you want, you have to go against everything. And that choice, a lot of people can't make and don't even know that they can't make that decision. They think talking shit is the only thing when literally, what, we all have the same 24 hours. That's like a known saying. Dumb. But it's true. Like, you, if you wasted an hour talking shit, that's an hour you could have fucking gone and read a book or worked on some music or recorded a podcast or go send emails you needed to. Like, 
people aren't willing to take the choice, make the choice to take themselves seriously. Yeah, exactly. This is a question I asked you way back in the beginning and we kind of like, we got off of it, but when did you make that decision to become the artist, to take yourself seriously? Like a year or a, a time period or. Yeah. Like, was there a moment in your brain that clicked that you were like, I do have to just go all in. Like I have to make, I have to pull the trigger. Well, it was the, it was the diss track shit when I was 14 or whatever. That was the, that was the shit that like, it kind of blew up semi. Uh, that was the one I would say that like showed me that I wanted to do it for, for good. But I would say that through my career, there's just been so many boom and bust and w days, weeks that I waked up and I didn't want to make music and I just wanted to quit. And I literally just wanted to stop. And I don't know, you know, I mean, I think, I think I, I this is a really weird and, and just kind of mind boggling analogy or a realization that I've made, but. I realize that with a lot of things in life, I, in, in the current state that I'm in, I think I've, you ever, I, I don't know what the term is or, you know, whatever it is, but you know, when you go on a hike or like, <laughs> this is, this is, sorry, taking long to get this point out, but, um, I think it was back in the, I don't want to speak on, on shit that I don't know about and sound like uneducated, but I believe back back in the day, Native Americans would leave stones to mark where they were, right? Or they would point out rocks um, and use them as landmarks. And I just think about certain things in my life, like having self-doubt in, in the music shit. I come back. It's like setting a rock down and keep, you know, you're going in a loop. You know, I like there's some cartoons or like anime or whatever where they like realize they're in like a, a vortex or like a loop because they like, you know, it's, it's that type of thing where you realize that you just keep going through the same thoughts and the same things and, and you just have to really chase it and just say, you know what, I'm not going to have those thoughts anymore. And I think I'm finally getting to that point where I recognize the thoughts and the days that I wake up and I'm fuck this dude, I'm done. And I'm like, nah, you're just in the moment, you're tired, you're, you know, I'm able to really not let that destroy my world as bad as I used to. How did you get past that? Like, what did you tell yourself? How did you teach yourself to change that? Um, well, it's a lot of things. I think it, it's the, the thing that I said about setting the stones down coming back to the same path. And then also, um, you ever you ever heard of Rob Deerdeck before? Mm -hmm. Yeah, Rob Deerdeck is fire, but uh, he has a podcast, bro, and he just talks about a bunch of shit of just bettering your life and success and, and shit like that. And I I don't know exactly what he was saying. I watched like a thousand episodes, I swear, or hundred or however many he has, but just talking about how when you have those stuff. I mean, I don't know. It's really just quantifying, really just understanding a sense of time. And just like you were saying, I could spend a week doubting myself and beating myself up and wanting to turn away from a path that I followed for 10 years, or I could use that week to make a EP and be one EP further. It's just realizing how quick you move and just really utilizing of it's not productive in a time 
sense to be doubtful. It's, it's unmotivating. Um, there's something that I also think of that this analogy of crazy and another one of those crazy analogies that just really resonates to me is I think I have this vision of you ever, I, I remember one day I saw this video of some dude, you've probably seen the video before of some dude like climbing some crazy ass tall building. And then the dudes are like shouting out to him, like get down. And he's just, no, let me like, you know, and I just think about when you're in that, in that type of state where you're climbing a building or you're rock climbing or whatever. If you can't get caught up in, in looking down and saying, oh, shit, if I made one false move, I would fall yeah. because you're so angst out. But if you if you just are focused on the task at hand, you're going to you're going to live. And it's really just that thing of just I find it as having a career is, is like climbing a fucking building and you could make one false move and fall or you could complete the climb. I love that analogy. That's a, like. I fuck with that heavy and I don't think I ever was able to put the perfect words to that thought that you just did. Cause I was talking to a friend about this earlier. Like when I started this podcast, everyone thought I was crazy, you know? Cause I would just talk to Pete, like I, whatever it is talking about the hallucinogens, talking to rappers, putting out tons of episodes that no one was listening to. Like people just thought I was crazy, but I knew that there was an end goal. And I knew that there was something greater. And I still know that the, something's greater than where I'm at now. But I had to break through that chain, you know? Like, I had to break through the thought process of what others would think and not look down and keep moving. And that's, that is exactly what being a creative is. It's not looking down when you're climbing the building. Back. What, um... What are your high points? Like, what to you made you feel like you were on the right path? I could answer that question in a couple different ways. Uh, one would just be, I, I try not to get too caught up in the material things of, oh, I work with this person and, and whatever, but, you know, the getting a song with Chester Watson, getting a song with those, uh, and, uh, that, that song's not released yet. Um, you know, a couple other dudes that I've wanted to work with, Sally, uh, trying to think, Kerba Goop, you know, things, things like that. That's definitely been some highlights because it's just that reassurance of listening to them over the years. Um, the other thing is just, like you said, just those moments that I get of waking up and just realizing how far I've came and, and, thinking back to when I started and where I'm at and if I could show, you know, I try to think of if I was my own fan, what I fuck with myself. And I think I've reached that point where I'm like, yeah, if I was just looking for my own music or whatever out there, I think I'd fuck with my music. Um, trying to think some other things. And I mean, there, there's a couple other things, but I would say, feeling a sense of uh, feeling you're, you're included or that you're a part of it, you know, just from being a listener transitioning into actually being an artist when you actually feel like you're a part of the scene. And I think I've kind of started to reach that point. People are starting to kind of know my name or whatever, or I mean, to a very, you know, micro scale, obviously. But when you kind of start to feel like you're part of something that you always wanted to be, it's just a little thing, Sam, I'd say, of, of really what I'm trying to 
you know, reach out or, or I would say that are my biggest, you know, highlights of just, wow, I, I'm, I'm here, you know. That's cool. Cause you said you just explained what we were talking about earlier. It's the journey, you know, like you like the journey, you like being a, becoming a part of it. And it's not like, you're like, Oh, I got this song. So fuck everything. Like I'm the king of the world. It's <laughs> like, nah, you're like, these are just small steps. Like on an episode, I, were we talking about this on the last episode? Maybe not, but it, beside the point, I was talking to DJ Tay James who's Justin Bieber's DJ and manager. He The episode's actually coming out this week. Um, Crazy. He's a huge fan of Griselda. So it's so funny, you know what I mean? Hey, if you want to know if Justin Bieber has ever heard of West Side Gun, listen to that episode. But um, I asked him, like, how did you get to where you are? Because honestly, if we're talking about who the top DJs in the world is, if you're Justin Bieber's DJ, that's probably number one or two. You know? Yeah. And uh-huh. he's like, I didn't skip any steps. That was his answer. And that is like, I was, I fucked with that heavy. He didn't skip any steps. He enjoyed the journey, you know? Exactly. It, it's also kind of, you know, the reason why you can't fight the final four in Pokemon right away. You got to level up your Pokemon. You got to switch them out. You got to go through that whole journey to be able to beat the game and, catch Mewtwo and catch the legendary Pokemon and all that. Like, look at what Grimdoza has gone through, like his career path. And when you listen to our episode, he's very clear about that, that it's just like he got caught up and it's just the journey and he enjoys the journey. And that's why he's such an amazing artist and why he keeps growing and going is because he just, he understands what it's supposed to take, you know, and he just sticks with it. Yeah, and I thought that was such a great interview. And I, I remember taking that lesson away as well from that interview. As of, it was kind of a humbling moment because that was, I think he had one more interview that dropped around the same time. I think you had like the second interview like two weeks later. But, um, you know, it was kind of a big moment of, of getting him on a podcast. That was the first time he's done that type of interview and just ta- heard him talk about just how much he's done and to keep going and that it's a journey and that you got to keep persevering and, and that was kind of a big affirmation for me of just, yeah, man, got to keep, keep doing it. And it's, yeah, I, I really do have such a newfound. It was really cool hanging with Tony, Tony Schnow in Philly the other week and being able to like Damn. talk to him about Grimm, you know? Cause I was like, once you know someone, like once I was like, oh, I know Grimdoza. He was like, all right, we're cool now, you know? And then I could uh-huh. actually talk to him about stuff. We didn't do an episode, but it's like... He's been around for so many different intervals in music and he just stays with it. It's like the alchemist. It's like if you just stay with it and just keep moving with the times, like people will recognize it. Yeah. And I think half the battle is just keep running, you know? Yeah. The whole marathon type of thing. When is the uh, song with Doza dropping? So. Since I've already said it, um, the whole, well, it's on like this mafia inspired tape and I'm trying to, I have, I'm going to get another artist named Lil Wretched on that tape as well. And it's probably going to be like three songs and my production, uh, the Doza songs already done. That's just like one of them. 
Um, and I'm trying to finish that up this summer. I'm just working on a lot of shit and making beats just takes so fucking long for me. I mean, I love the process, but it just really wastes a lot of time that you could be banging out 10 songs, you know, but so that'll be on that. And I'm really hyped for that tape and it's still kind of in the progress. Um, but I, I, I could say, I'll, I'll have to send you the song. Oh, I'd love I to hear it. So you, do you see yourself more as a rapper or as a producer? I was talking about this on a different podcast, but I wouldn't even classify myself as a producer period because I don't think you're really a producer until you start playing instruments and you start really having engineering sounds, you know, how to mix music, you know, how to, you know, I mean, basically point being is there's just a difference between playing around on a DAW versus hearing a bird outside and sampling that and, you know, being innovative, but I would say playing instruments is really kind of the final check mark on my list. I play guitar, I play piano, but I don't really correlate that into my production, but I really just produce for myself. And if I hear a certain artist on something, then I'll send him that, but I don't sit and like make all these beats and then send them out to all these artists and really be known as the producer or take that route. I just do it for me. Do you know the rapper Sunny Jim? From England. Mm-hmm. Um, I was talking to him. He's had songs with like MF Doom and J Electronica and Mad Live and DJ Premier and like all them. But he was saying that he produces too. And I asked him the same question. And he was saying he like produce. he started producing out of necessity. He's like, I'm not getting the beats I need. So I'm just going to like make them. But he's the, is that kind of how you feel? Oh, exactly. Yeah. That's a big part of how I started with wanting to make beats was I just felt so strongly that nobody, well, it costs a lot of money, honestly, to like buy beats, I think. And that was a big thing. And then it was just, ah, this beats kind of what I want, but not what I want. And a big part of, you know, I, I had said this in, a, in an interview before, but I didn't, I, I started making beats when I was probably 14, but I, I mastered the art of creating synths and, and sampling with the synths but I could never understand how to, how time signatures worked and how to get the bass and how to just put all these sounds together to make everything cohesive and together. But when I took guitar in high school, that's when everything clicked was like, okay, and now I know how to do drums because of just the time signatures and playing. But I had already mastered the synths, but my fucking drums just sucked. But you don't think that makes you a producer? Like learning how to play the instruments, helping your beat making? And I might be, I might be making some enemies right now, but that's just my personal opinion. I don't think in my opinion that producing is that hard. It's just like everything else. It just takes time. It's definitely, there's definitely a creative thing to it. People, I would say that there are producers, you know, that really are more than they have a certain aesthetic. And I think the more you build on that and really, you know, have a certain sound and maybe you engineered a whole different wave of, how the 808s are hidden or, you know, there's, there's certain accomplishments that I think you could, you know, classify yourself as a producer. But I do think that there's a lot of producers or producers on a lower, lower scale that think they know everything and they think that they're a producer, but they're just throwing sounds together in FL on the demo version of, you know, it's just, I've seen a little bit of that. (laughs) (laughs) So, what, all right, what do you, what do you have to accomplish to consider yourself a producer now? 
Well, and then it's, I mean, it's all these different things. I think, I mean, I think maybe people are trying to uh, like getting the wrong or the wrong like point I'm trying to make, but I really don't think that I'm a producer because I don't sit down and make all these beats for people and send them out. Mm. I just, I make what I want to rap on and then I try to get other people that want to rap on it with me. Will it hit a point where you aren't producing and you, when you can just get beats easily? That's kind of where I'm at right now, man. I do so many free collabs that I just get all these producers and, and artists hitting me up and then that just spirals into all kinds of shit. I always got beats in my DMs now. It's it's wild. That's and awesome. I kind of have taken a, taken a step back from producing, honestly, just because of that and just seeing how many songs I can bang out doing yeah. it that way. But like on the song that you got with Doza, you produced that? Yeah. That's dope. Like you got him rapping on one of your beats, you know? Yeah, but that's just not where you feel fulfillment. Well, I I feel fulfillment in that in that like you know I have some cool credits. I produced for Grim Doza, Herbal Goop, um, who else? Young Beans, um, you know some Lozelli or no no I haven't produced for Lozelli. I I have a song with him though, but um, you know just certain people. I just but, got onto his music recently. You fuck with Ellie? Yeah, I literally, I yeah. just, I had a mutual friend with him, and then I got onto his music through that. He's hard, man. And, and I would say one thing that I really took from him that I want to, you know, apply to my career is just that man has probably, he's probably got to be like second or third in the underground of like most fucking EPs made <laughs> in history. I mean, you can dig. He has like two, two, two EPs or like albums, bro, that are like 100 songs long. Like, unheard of, bro. Crazy. I love rappers like that. I love rappers like when you look back, like, you know who Certified Trapper is? Yeah. He put out, like, fucking 30 albums in a year or some shit last year. You know, like, and then when you go back and you just, like, can dig YNJ's the same way. Shit, a lot of the Griselda guys are the same way. Like, Griselda has so much material that you can go back and listen to. And I think it's, it's kind of, I don't know. I, I see that when you really push that bar and you make a lot of shit, you get used to how you work. So let's say if you, you spend three, three hours on a song, then you're only going to make, and let's just say you make one song a day, you know, you're only going to make however many songs a week. But then if you can are able to bang out a song in an hour, then you, you multiply that by three of how many songs you're going to be able to make. And it's just, I don't know. I feel like I'm in the point of my career right now where I'm like every single song is a little bit of XP added to the, to the value of pushing me forward. But I can't imagine if I was in a place like Zelly where I have so much music, I'd forgot half of what I've even made. Bones is another example. Um, I just don't know what I would do if I was at that point, but it's a bliss thing because I do even do that with how much music I have of just, fuck, dude, I forgot about that song. Yeah. But would you ever perform live or have you performed live? I did the whole DJ shit and the radio shit and like DJ gigs and all that, but I never have, I guess I did. I did one open mic actually at, at my community college and I fucking bombed it. I was, <laughs> I was so nervous, bro. <laughs> what and I was like, What's bombing in music? Like, well, I mean, I would say like if you bomb it like two different ways, like either you 
fucking chicken out or people just ain't fucking with your set and they're just like booing you or just ain't vibing. But, um, I just, I was like half laughing, like kind of, I don't know. I was like in the point. It was like, <laughs> dude, because like, I feel like, you know, people just know me as a totally different person. And then if I was just to kind of like get in the, get in the Warren mood or like the Warren mode, I just thought people would like laugh at me or just not take me seriously. I don't know. Did but, you do it with the mask or no mask? No mask too. So I wasn't trying to be like, like all, all like rough and just, I don't know. I just thought it would be too much. So I was like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm not doing this. Never mind. <laughs> so performing is not for you. No, no. Performing is not for me and I'll never do that shit. I don't care if I'm like Cardi level. I like won't perform, bro. Mm. Yeah. Cardi does not know how to perform. <laughs> <laughs> I've never seen him. I saw him. him. I took a lot of mushrooms. So I'm tripping and I'm front row and I'm excited because I love his music, but literally he didn't rap a single word to the entire song, any song every like 30 seconds to a minute. He'd go caca, caca, like a bird, literally the entire concert. And I'm just sitting there tripping like, what is like what is happening and everyone's moshing around me and raging and i'm like what like i literally was in like a fever dream you know what i mean <laughs> the gates of hell were slowly opening yeah, I was up. like why are they calling right now <laughs> you ever gone to some any shitty concerts you know i'm not gonna lie even growing up bro i remember my parents would take me to basketball games and shit and i would just cry and cry and that's another reason why i'm not about the performance shit but i don't like i mean i can stand it as an adult now to go out and but i can only take it for so long bro i get tired of the ignorance around me of people you know especially at a show like getting drunk and falling over and stumbling into you and like that type of shit when and then like being crunched bro I, I, it just gets me claustrophobic, but I've only been to three or four shows and every one of them I've seen, they were great. Who but were I would they? say I have any rappers. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So I saw Chris Webby and then, uh, echo was on that tour. Uh, annoyed was on there. Uh, Justin Clancy was on there. And then whatever I you say about his up. music, Chris Webby is a great performer. He knows how to put on an amazing show. I fuck with Webby heavy. He's an OG, but yeah, he's great. He's a great performer as well. Um, and then I've seen Felly live, met him. I've seen, and then Gyps was on tour with him. Um, and then that's the name I haven't Spider. heard in a minute. Yeah, Felly, that's crazy. That like brought back so many memories when you just said his name. <laughs> that's right. Um, I've seen Spider Gang on tour, and then I saw uh, Khalid when I was like 15 in concert and it was around like teenage dream. What was that shit called? Teenage romance I or some shit like that. hate Khalid. I'm sorry to say he's someone that I just can't like my brain just won't. I can't listen to his music really. Bro. I haven't peeped his recent shit, but I'll tell you what, that album was fucking hard back in the day when that shit dropped. I was fucking with that. I don't, I hate that fucking young, dumb and full of cum and poor. So whatever. What? That. <laughs> I mean, that shit's, that shit's old news by now, but when that shit dropped, that shit was hard. You know what? I, maybe I'm being a little, I hope Khalid doesn't listen to this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's like, man, this Sam Buck dude is a real hater. Over here. No, I used to work at a shop, a burrito shop. 
And every single day, that's all we would listen to was his music. And I just hated working that I think I associate my coworkers who loved his music and the shitty work and the having to just listen to that song over and over and over again to just me being like, fuck him in in general. That's fair. That's fair. You have any artists like that or like there's TV shows like, you know, like when you're dating someone and you watch a TV show with them and then you break up and then you're like, fuck, I can't watch that show anymore. It's like that's it's the same thing, but just with work with Khalid. Not not that I can't watch, but I'd say The Simpsons does that for me. The Simpsons. Yeah. Had an old girlfriend that we used to watch that shit with. I was rewatching The Simpsons with a friend like last year and it's so funny like The Simpsons is so things get so popular that you almost are like it can't be good. Like it can't be that good because it's so popular. But then we went back and we rewatched like all The Simpsons and we we're like, "Damn, this show's amazing." But like Bro, that's mad. It's like Drake. Like I don't even love Drake. But, like, to be like he sucks as an artist, it's like he's just wicked popular. You know, like, yeah. you just don't like him because he's popular. Like, he doesn't suck as an artist. He might not be your yeah. cup of tea, but, like. That's fair. Some of the most Bruh, gangster I you- rappers I know, like, literally, like, straight, are like, if you talk shit about Drake, I know I don't fuck with you. Like, that shit's yeah. so funny to me, you know? Now Drake's a go. I mean, he he's. Def- I mean, I feel like every single thing that Drake drops is fire. Like he he's gifted, but I would say like as an art, like as a as a person, or like you know, I, I'm not like a Drake fan, but I would, yeah, no. I can't disrespect Drake because that man always be bringing some fire. <laughs> that is hard separating separating the artist from the art. You know, yeah. As a fan. Like, you know, we were talking about you separating who you are as an artist, but like as a fan, if one of someone I like does some fuck shit or even like I've had people I love treat me wrong in the DMs or like beat a dick to me. And I'm like, damn, I still like your music, but like I don't respect you anymore. You know? Yeah. Yeah, there's definitely been a bit of that in my career. I think honestly, I I, I kind of explained this last time but it's hard to it's it's like that whole thing of expecting too much out of people and I think just in this day and age I mean I just see it more and more and as I get bigger and and realize it is just like the the oh I love your music DM it just doesn't do it It doesn't really I mean not that I honestly I haven't even really got that much love but like you know I just can't imagine at that level getting that type of love. And I just think that it's really like a confusion with, I would say that as far as people expect too much. And then the artist, you know, wants to be in his own space. And, um, I just think that kind of causes certain things where it is the separation between the artist and the, and the music. And, uh, you know, some people are, some people like, I, I like, sorry, that was kind of a, stroll off into a different direction but point being is that some people that i've met i've got rubbed the wrong way on and i'm like oh fuck them like they fucking scam me or whatever it was but then you know oh it's just a miscommunication but then there has been people were like no you were a piece of shit you fucking scam me and you never even responded so it's like you know but yeah i don't know and that is tough though like i get the like the i love your music isn't enough 
because it is enough when it's just that, or I don't want to speak for you, but for me, like I'll have a lot of people DM me and be like, I love the podcast. I love your comedy. I love what you're doing. And they'll be like, Oh, thanks man. That means a lot. Like that really, that really means a lot. And they'll, they'll be like, here's my music. Let me come on the podcast. Uh. And they think because they complimented me, they like deserve the space. And then it makes me feel like PTSD with comments. Cause I'm like, does this person actually like, like if I reply to this person saying they like my shit, are they going to actually like it? Or are they just going to be asking me for some shit? Exactly. I hate that. And, and it's that shit too. It's the cloud chase and shit. It's the manipulation games. It's just people using you to get where they want. And, um, I wish that shit didn't exist, man, but we're all human. It's a human trait, like I was yeah. talking about earlier. When does the uh, Mafia album, Mafia EP drop? Sometime soon? Like I was saying, I, I'm still kind of getting in the in the thing in the spring, like getting back in the saddle with making beats. I just need to, I need to just finish that. But I, I have a hard time, man, because I really, especially with beats and shit, I have to like really just lock in and make everything right then and there. Otherwise a lot of my tapes kind of get scrapped and thrown in the, but that one's not getting scrapped. Like that's just going to drop. But then, um, I'm really just focused on the curb tape right now. I'm, it's so close to being done. It's getting mixed right now, probably a week or two, maybe a month away. And I already got the promotion and everything in store and, and locked in. So it's going to be dropping very soon. Oh, that's dope as fuck. Do you have a name for it yet? I think I'm actually going to, I'm going to spill the beans on this because I think what we're going to do is I'll just have you drop it like the same day that, uh, I dropped the tape or whatever, if that's mm-hmm. cool. Yeah, that works. The interview. But okay. So the whole thing with the mop or the, the tape with curb is it's called tower of terror based off of the Disney movie with Steve Gutenberg and, uh, Kristen Dunst, I think is how you say her name. Um, this movie was just really big or really meant a lot to me when I was a kid because I, when my mom, my parent, my, my dad would be working. My mom was working on her degree or master's degree. So she would just kind of dump us off to my aunt's house. And my aunt is a little older and she has older kids. So she like grew up in the nineties and, or like their kids did. And so they had like, just really kind of were like behind times at the, this is probably like 20, 2007 or some shit like that. Uh, and so all they had was just VHS shit. And so we would, just watch all the VHS and, and that was one of the movies. And I remember that movie kind of scared me. It's even kind of like a little scary, honestly, nowadays. You ever go but, on the ride? Uh, yeah. I fucking hate that shit. <laughs> I cried. I cried, bro. Damn. <laughs> You're like, and now, like I have a pro- and now I have a project named after it. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, and so basically, long story short, the tape is about how in the movie, these ghosts are trapped because of the spell and, and whatever. They're trapped in the hotel, and that is basically mimicking how I felt like I was talking to you about of just feeling trapped in my room and not really associating with a lot of people, not really having a lot of friends, just kind of feeling it's basically kind of like putting myself in like a ghost. Like I'm the ghost that's trapped in this hotel that doesn't leave and I can't leave. And then curb is like another ghost that's in the hotel with me. And we're just cooking up, cooking up some some heat. I can't wait to hear that. I love that idea. Mm -hmm. 
And I love the thought process you put behind your work and your creation. That's something I, I really respect. And I'm happy we now have had only people are only going to listen to one hour of our conversation, but we've had <laughs> two hours of conversation, two and a half hours of conversation now. And I really, are you uh, for real, bro? yeah, we're at our, we're at an hour 10 right now. <laughs> and the last one was like an hour 15. Oh, okay. But, I um, see. I'm just like, I really love how the thought process and how deeply you think about the work that you're creating. And that's something I really appreciate. Hey, thank you, man. And and that's really just a big thing that I try to push with my projects, especially if I'm producing it. Um, you know, like that whole tape is actually sampled from the, the soundtrack at Tower of Terror in Disney World. So like the, the songs that they play at the hotel at the ride is like part of what I sampled to make the tape. Oh, that's dope. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, I kind of had some other ideas to shoot some VHS, like some film and whatever, but I'm just, I'm just kind of like pushing it. And then like I told you, I have an, the actor, his name is Alistair Duncan. He's done, he's done some voiceovers and shit in God of War. And he's, he's more known for his video game voiceovers, but he played like the butler in that uh, movie and I got him to do a cameo for me. So that's done. I have it. And it's really cool because he's like Warren K and, and Carve La Coupe and like, it's just. That's inspired, dope as fuck. So. That's dope as fuck. Yeah. So that's going to be coming out in like a month or so, you'd say? Yeah, like soon, soon. That's awesome, man. And where so. can people find your shit? You just look me up on the internet uh, under Warren K. I should pop up. Um, a lot of people put a space under my name for Warren space K, just one word, Warren K, no space. Um, just on SoundCloud, Twitter, Instagram. That's about it, man. Thank you so much for doing this. I'm really, yeah. I'm really happy we got another one and I'm sorry we lost the first one. Hey, it's all good, bro. I really appreciate you bringing me back in and we had a great interview. Awesome, man. Thank you guys for listening. Uh, we'll talk to you later. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah